Hello and welcome to On Wisconsin Workforce. I'm Caleb Frostman, your host and secretary of the Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development. I'm here to talk about workforce development, economic development, and our great state of Wisconsin. Today on On Wisconsin Workforce, I'll be talking with JAMF Chief Strategist Jason Woody about his technology company founded in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I'll also be talking Manufacturing Month and job numbers with Chief Wisconsinist Dennis Winters, National Disability Employment Awareness Month with DWD's Division of Vocational Rehabilitation Administrator Delora Newton, uh, as well as the goals and dreams of 10-year-old Jackson. September was Workforce Development Month, and I traveled throughout the state to hear from organizations about their successful recruitment and retention strategies. One of my last stops was in Eau Claire at Jamf, which provides management solutions for Apple products. We'll begin with Jamf Chief Strategist Jason Woody. Well, Woody, I uh, appreciate you having us uh, in your shop today at Jamf. And uh, as we were talking about earlier, uh, September is Workforce Development Month, as proclaimed by Governor Tony Evers here in Wisconsin. And just curious, um, how would you describe Jamf's workforce development strategy? Uh, I would say it's multifaceted is the, the first part. Um, the, the first thing, I guess, that I would take a look at is we're, um, we're committed to the folks that we actually have here and internally. Um, and, and what that means is it's um, both a compensation aspect. Um, we, we talk real quickly about uh, total rewards or the ability uh, to have people be invested in both what they're doing at work but also the community that they're in um, and how we onboard, uh, how we do technical training or how we get people into the, to the right roles is a big part of it. Uh, one of the things that I would say we're actually very proud of for the way that we do it is um, what I'm going to call is just internal transfers or, or internal promotions. Um, and just chatting with the team a little bit earlier uh, today as we looked at it, we have had uh, in the Eau Claire uh, facility about 275 employees. Um, we've had about 60 ads um, from the outside, but inside of filling those roles, we've actually had over 100 uh, transitions of wow. people who are internal, meaning when we post a job, um, our people inside are looking, are, are being encouraged uh, and hopefully being trained to be able to be ready for that job. And so we're seeing double the amount of internal mobility as we would from the outside. Uh, and, and we're also getting um, great candidates from the outside to come in and, and start feeding into that, that system. Um, the idea uh, that, that we're there um, is also looking for people, um, you know, one thing being a software company in the space that we're in, there's not outside experts uh, who come just homegrown. Uh, and so we end up training, but there's also an aspect of it that we get to train um, in, an, in an area, in an industry, and in an environment where you have great cost of living, mm -hmm. uh, but you also have a global impact. Uh, and so our people are able to say, I can see the value of the work that I'm doing and how it actually spreads far beyond the, the walls of our building or even the, uh, the community that we're directly in. Uh, and I'm actually pretty proud of the folks that, that we've had that I'll say start here in the Midwest that have also carried the torch uh, as we've continued to expand globally. Um, have, have spearheaded efforts uh, across the nation as well as across the globe when we've, uh, we've opened up or expanded. And so that's the positive part of being in a growth environment as you mm -hmm. continue to have opportunities and we can continue to promote our people internally to, to help fill in uh, and, and kind of move along with you. That's great. Um, what would you say are your biggest obstacles or challenges uh, to finding the quality workers that JAMF needs to maintain or maybe even better yet, um, grow your operations here in Eau Claire? I would say that the um, there, there's a couple of things that really um, kind of peak in my head. Some of it is just um, the the ability to find people who are uh, in the market that that are ready to look, or how do we actually become known to them? Mm -hmm. uh, in other places or other 
opportunities that um, would be out there. You know, Minneapolis is a market that we're in. We also have offices there. It's just a much larger marketplace, if you will, and there is more of an expectation of some of that mobility. But getting in front of the right people uh, at the right time with the opportunities and kind of making yourselves known uh, has been one of the challenges for the opportunities. Um, that Jamf represents. I think there's sometimes a perception that, well, Jamf software company got to be technical in, in mind. Um, and while we look for people in, inside of those roles, there's actually a pretty good range of skill set that are necessary to run a global operation. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the idea that we have to train on board and actually continue to support those people in all roles, uh, but how do we get that message out if we have a perception that's there? Um, I would say that the, the second aspect of it is um, finding um, finding folks who have um, the relevant customer experience or that, that customer-centric mindset. So we're not necessarily looking for um, just one particular profile, but everyone who comes in has to have that idea of uh, we're doing the right thing for the customer in our mm -hmm. particular culture, as well as have a intellectual curiosity about how we're gonna continue to learn. Um, and and uh, a big part of our success is um, that empowerment and transparency into our workforce, but that also leaves an obligation for the employee to jump in and engage uh, and continue to, to try to move forward. Um, challenges, uh, I would say it's the same as, as many other folks um, would have. How do we maintain our cost of living, quality of life, um, you know, housing, healthcare, uh, right? All of the other things that, that any other provider um, or, or uh, vendor or you know, software company that would be out there anywhere else in the U.S. is worried about. Um, here in uh, Eau Claire, we also have uh, a big pull on what are our people doing when they're outside of the workplace? Um, is uh, the engagement with the community, with uh, whether that is your um, outside group or your particular um, um, creative interests, uh, hobbies, you know, outdoors uh, activities, and are those things accessible? Um, as well as, uh, then I'll couple that with, are we, in a, are we a place that actually encourages uh, the diversity that we look for to, to support a global workforce? Um, and the ability to say you can bring your whole self to work um, and we can be a place where um, you can do that in the office is one thing, but also making sure that the community uh, and the things that surround us also support all of the people who are our coworkers uh, is a big part of that story. Does that make sense? It does. That's a really uh, a robust answer, but I think it's, the culture seems to be working. You guys have a pretty uh, big group of folks that seem to be really engaged here. So yeah, it does. That's yeah, great. It, it's uh, and a big part of that actually is just uh, the the types of folks that that are here continuing to be uh, engaged, and the fact that they don't um, they don't just view themselves as part of Jamf while they're here. They're mm -hmm. proud of what we do and, and how they carry that back into the rest of the community and. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of good coworkers that we have walking around this place. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, and speaking of you know good coworkers, how does Jamf or how do you you know market these opportunities to young techies that you know might justifiably link software and technology you know to jobs in Silicon Valley? How do you you market yourself to those folks? Uh, um, first is that we actually have access to and are working in a space that uh, that has a lot of mind share with that. So our relationship. Um, in, in the marketplace as it relates to Apple, uh, the types of technologies we're working with and the, uh, some of the trends that we're seeing in our business are uh, closely aligned with what some of those trends are. Uh, and so we get an opportunity to, to be on the front lines and really see what's happening inside of that space. But we get to do it from our environment where uh, cost of living um, and, and I'll say some of the churn uh, that you might ever has, have to deal with when we're here in the Midwest is actually a lot more comfortable. 
um, I would actually challenge a little bit uh, just to say that it, it, as we look at it, it's not just about young necessarily either. Um, we're actually looking for those folks who um, they might be at any stage of their uh, their career or their journey, um, but if they have the intellectual curiosity to want to come in and actually uh, tackle some interesting problems or, or kind of work through that training process to to jump in where we're at, we're, we're more looking for the capability mm -hmm. uh, and the capacity um, than we are for a particular uh, a particular person who's already kind of ready made to fit that mold. Um, and while there's many great um, training and career experience opportunities. We have a unique culture. I think every organization has a unique culture, and it takes time to be able to fit into that. But um, finding those folks who, again, it comes back to that uh, that curiosity and engagement with the workplace um, across the spectrum is uh, is really a big part of it. Also, having the ability to say, "Hey, we can transfer uh, what we do here, and it can lead to global opportunity." Um, so, uh, a great example of our engaged. Um, team is that when we meet um, this coming spring, we actually have a, an event we call Sub-Zero where the entire global workforce gets together. Hmm. Our product uh, engineering and cloud and delivery uh, resources are actually all going to the Katowice Poland office. Wow. Uh, so all of the folks from Eau Claire uh, are uh, jumping along with our Minneapolis and our other regional folks, uh, which are going to travel over where we have another one of our tech hubs. Uh, our customer service and experience folks are going to be here in Eau Claire. Uh, we have a team in Minneapolis that'll be there, and we're all heading over to Poland. Great example of somebody who's uh, been here. I have a coworker we were discussing at lunch has a passport, has never used it, uh, wow. and so their first opportunity to uh, travel and see some additional uh, additional parts of the world um, through their work travel, mm -hmm. um, and we get an opportunity to interact with a lot of those people and see a lot uh, of both what makes us uh, different different cultures, different backgrounds, different languages as we learn to adapt mm -hmm. here. Uh, but we also learn what makes us the same, and that at the end, uh, the ability to uh, have passion for customer success is really uh, more the common driver. Um, and so, just as stories or examples like that, where we can stretch uh, far beyond the walls of our our facility, kind of give some of those folks those opportunities. That's pretty cool. Not many folks I know are taking their entire staff to Poland. So good for you guys. That's yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah, that's it's, great. It's uh, it's one that we still have a very, um, you know, about eleven hundred employees, but it's still a very. Um, we try and keep it as small as we can and have that, that very, I'll say, wide open transparency of what's going on, uh, as well as the engagement um, with, uh, with coworkers, with the organization, with the success that we're trying to have. Um, and there, it's hard to replace um, yeah. interpersonal or face-to-face -face time. I believe that. No, it's great. Well, you touched on it a little bit as far as the cost of living here in the Midwest, but, you know, Wisconsin and the Midwest really aren't, um, you know, well known for our tech sectors yet. Um, but Jamf is really doing great things, both in Wisconsin, you mentioned Minnesota. What are some of the things that you attribute for your company success here in this region? Uh, I, so, first one I'll go back to is actually, a, uh, you know, some of the roots of Jamf and some of the experiences that we had actually came from some of the, the secondary education uh, institutions that are here, uh, University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, CVTC, uh, UW-Stout, uh, and a number of places where we had uh, people engaged and exposed to both uh, their craft at those institutions as well as the talent that we were able to engage with on some really, really great uh, faculty who guided a number of those students. And so we had, uh, we had an opportunity and, and access to a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of experiences through an organic fashion with, with relationships that actually started there. And I believe that that continues today. Our ability to tap into um, what I'm going to say is a, a very capable, intelligent, high-tech workforce, both on the developing side as well as, like you said, e evolving. 
there's actually a lot of tech here, uh, mm -hmm. specifically even in the Chippewa Valley. There's a legacy going all the way back to you know everything from Seymour Cray uh, and, and what okay. had gone on. Uh, and if you bring forward, the way I think technology has changed is while GF might be seen as a pure tech vendor, mm -hmm. um, you look at some other employers who are in the area who just by the nature of both our economy and the, uh, the way that tech is delivered, uh, have had to become um, very tech-centered. And so you mm -hmm. look at the healthcare institutions that are here and what their uh, transition to electronic medical records have been. Uh, you know, you even look at the way that um, uh, Menards is an employer here. Uh, it's more likely that I search for something on my mobile app for Menards uh, today than uh, I would have ever thought that that would have been possible a handful mm -hmm. years ago. And so there's this booming uh, technology delivery that's inside many of these organizations. If you uh, if you flip over um, and, and and see actually what's going on inside the institution, my analog uh, my analogous uh, kind of representation of that is when Jamf started uh, in supporting the Apple ecosystem. Um, Apple was there in most organizations, just happened to be locked in the creative department, maybe in advertising, maybe mm -hmm. in marketing. Um, and I think you're starting to see it, it's it's not any different when you start to look at it and you say there is a technology or a high-tech component to almost every one of the vendors who's competing in today's workforce. Mm -hmm. uh, it just happens to be inside of their org uh, with a particular delivery. And we're seeing the, the benefits of that as more of those jobs um, you know, become known and people continue to move into that space. More and more folks in the market and the community are uh, aware and, and able to take advantage of hopefully a positive career mobility. Nice. Well, great. And I would ask you also, I mean, what's, what's the biggest thing that keeps you up at night that you know relate to the the obstacles of, of Jamf and you know what are some of the things um, that the state could potentially be helpful in overcoming those obstacles? Uh, two good questions. I'm gonna see if I can uh, I can link them together. I would say the the number one thing that keeps me up um, and in my role as Jamf is positioned is uh, just the way that um, customer uh, information, customer data, and kind of the trend of making sure that. Uh, when we are trusted as a software vendor of, of one of many, uh, that we're able to protect uh, that data and make sure that the integrity of what the customers have entrusted us with, as well as the certainty that we're doing the right thing with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that we're just seeing that as an evolving trend over the entirety of the industry uh, is, is something that, that we're certainly um, keenly aware of and trying to make sure that we stay on the, the front, uh, in front of, as well as on the right side of uh, right. When, when history uh, writes all of this down on the other side. And so when you look at all of the things that come along with that around uh, information security, um, policies, practice, and, and kind of the maturing overall, uh, I would say those are the things that really um, that really get me, um, I wouldn't say concerned, but really get me um, focused on what we're trying to do with the products that we deliver to serve our customers. But then the second thing that comes immediately behind that uh, is I switch from what our customer value is, which is typically where I, I go, is back to what's good for our employees, what's good for Jamf. Mm -hmm. uh, and the ability to actually serve those customers comes entirely from my group of coworkers. And so you would call it quality of life, you could call it um, ability to access um, you know, the resources they need to live their best lives, um, but even uh, the types of challenges that, that we're all dealing with um, as it relates to making sure that um, bills get paid, that healthcare insurance is available, that the affordable housing uh, it is there and uh, everything that comes along with that spectrum uh, is actually what is a jamf concern and so um, how can the state help so if I switch to mm -hmm. uh, switch to that perspective I would say a couple of things that, that come into mind 
Um, the first is continuing to support um, the development of the, the institutions and the programs that have helped uh, continue to develop our Wisconsin talent, and I hope that we're a part of the story of there's an opportunity for those folks to stay in Wisconsin and continue to thrive. Um, but that's, you know, CVTC for specific skills, uh, UWC, UW South, things of that sort that we talked about. Um, the uh, second that I would say as somebody who is still in a rapid growth software company um, is trying to understand what's all available to us from a workforce development perspective. I know that's one of the things that uh, they get talked about and actually we have an active chamber of commerce here in Eau Claire um, and a number of other folks. There's, there's a fair number of resources focused on some portion of workforce development but um, where is the clearinghouse or the understanding of if I'm looking for these things, either can I engage my workforce or can I engage with that institution to figure out how I can be better uh, and work through it is still a part that's elusive to me mm -hmm. uh, from the chair that I sit in. And so uh, if I had to make it in a simple ask, uh, where is the yellow pages of uh, workforce development and how does that all come together? Uh, and then the... Um, the, the other one that I'll look at is, is just the general infrastructure that supports uh, the coworker. Um, I don't expect, you know, as, as uh, uh, an organization or as a business, we have to make sure that we're focused on taking care of our employees, but there's infrastructure uh, and resources that need to continue to be available. So a uh, healthy community uh, government process that actually is mm -hmm. um, aware of and kind of on top of the trends that are here is actually a big part of that for us and how do we engage. Um, and, and there's many viewpoints about how all of that can be done, okay. um, but at least making sure that that dialogue is focused back on the individual and making it about the people. That's great. Uh, anything else that uh, you'd want us to hear before we take off and head back to Madison? Um, honestly, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad that everybody gets a chance to take a little bit of a look and, and, and maybe shine a spotlight on what's going on here in the, in the Chippewa Valley. Um, and uh, I hope that JAMF continues to be uh, a member in that community and, mm -hmm. and is continuing to help grow. But there is actually some uh, tremendous organizations who are putting resources in as well. And I think we're kind of all in the, uh, the same boat. Um, and I'm just glad that everybody got a chance to, to take a look or spend a little time here. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, we traveled the state over the last month kind of hearing best practices from some high-performing high employers, and so we're really excited to come check out Champ today. And it's, well, thank so, you, guys. I thanks, Woody. It. Next up, I'm joined by Dennis Winters, our chief Wisconsinist here at DWD, to discuss Manufacturing Month and August's job numbers. What are our statewide jobs numbers looking like this month? Anything of note we should uh, pay attention to? Well, uh, the August numbers came in weaker than we'd hoped, with the uh, total non-farm job decreasing by about 3,500 uh, jobs over the month. Uh, most of that decline... Uh, though it was in a 2,500 uh, jobs drop um, in local government jobs. So that can be a, a number of things, and um, depending on when the payrolls hit, when they take the survey, uh, and then a lot of summer help they have around. So, But we still saw gains in construction and professional services and trade. Manufacturing numbers were down a bit, 700 jobs over the month. But that's kind of indicative of what we're seeing in the overall manufacturing sector, both in the uh, upper Midwest and, and through the country. And more than that, more than, than all that drop was in the durable goods sector. So we had some gains in the in the non-durables again. And, um, you know, are there any communities uh, or counties in particular that are seeing statistically significant changes this time around? Well, yeah. I mean, if, as we look at uh, unemployment numbers through, say, the counties and the municipalities through the, uh, through the state, they're all experiencing re relatively low unemployment rates. Um, all but one, you know, is below 6% unemployment rate, which are... You know, this is in contrast to the double-digit rates we saw, you know, through the through the last recession. And then there's well over half. I think like something like 45 out of the 72 counties are below three and a half percent. 
and it just ticks down. You've got 28, you know, that are 3% or lower, and then Dane County and Iowa County usually at the bottom at 2.5. And Fitchburg, I think, takes the city of Fitchburg takes the low number for 2.4%. Yeah, we're down at numbers that uh, are historical lows and have been for a little while, and, you know, we're just kind of bouncing around the bottom at this point. Well, October is Manufacturing Month here in Wisconsin, and it's a pretty significant part of our economy. Uh, what can you tell us about the many facets of manufacturing here in Wisconsin, uh, and what do we make the most of here? Well, as you know, Wisconsin's leading manufacturing state in the country, and it's second only to Indiana in the concentration of manufacturing work. Wisconsin employs a little over 470,000 people in manufacturing. That's about 16% of the workforce. The U.S. average is about 9%. We, we, we rate up there, and, and we're doing well. And uh, Wisconsin's a leader in food processing and paper converting and uh, electric machinery and production machinery. Some of those are big exports that we have. And then we've got uh, clusters in um, plastics and wood products, uh, and a lot of those get exported too. We're, uh, we're like a lot of the upper Midwest states, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana. We're a heavy manufacturing state. Um. Now, nationally, it's been reported in the recent weeks that uh, the manufacturing sector has contracted to levels not seen since the Great Recession. Um, here in Wisconsin, how do companies steel themselves against this kind of volatility? Yeah, a, n- a number of manufacturing indicators are signaling contraction in the industry. Uh, we see that, again, nationally, uh, internationally for a lot of it, too. And Wisconsin manufacturing jobs are off their highs, uh, but we're still 50,000 more manufacturing jobs in the state now than there was during the, the recession. But the, um, the big unknown still is trade policy. So it's the main thing that's, what I say, seizing up, you know, corporate decisions on investment opportunities, either for expansion or new technology or further marketing things, too. Just the uncertainty that's going around on the trade policy. Uh, we're starting to see some of the ramifications of the United Auto Workers strike uh, on GM. So that's starting to ripple out into their supply chains uh, all over the country. And I know some folks um, in Georgia and other places that... Um, they're cutting back their production lines um, because they're suppliers to the suppliers, to suppliers maybe for the industry. For Wisconsin manufacturers, I mean, it's just you just got to kind of be prudent and agile in the current situation. You know, and it's a tough situation to manage. You know, it's, it's difficult to be confident in what's in the store over the next few months. Kind of a kind of a hard nut right now. Uh, in addition to October being Manufacturing Month, it is also Nation, National Disability Employment Awareness Month, also mm-hmm. known as NDEAM. Um, what can you tell us about the number of people in Wisconsin's workforce with uh, disability? Well, the census statistics show about 135,000 those employed in Wisconsin are people with a disability. So that's about 4.8% the workers in in uh, stats for 2018 and in 2010 it was about 4.4% and that account I'd say we're making progress we know employing the disabled is one prong of helping to solve the worker co- quantity challenge we've got in the state yeah I think as we travel around the state and talk to employers who are doing well as far as uh, attraction and retention a lot of them have taken a more inclusive approach um, and that very often includes folks disabilities have looking at the long-term trajectory of uh, folks' disabilities being employed? Is Wisconsin improving? Are we seeing an upward trend in the number of folks being employed with disabilities? Well, yeah, we are in numbers. Okay. And we are in the uh, in the share of the total employment picture. So, uh, and, we got, and as you know, we've got programs um, within the department uh, to try to attract those people and get them trained up for the myriad of jobs that are out there for them. Awesome. Well, Dennis, we always appreciate uh, your strong insight on the economic numbers here in Wisconsin. Any parting thoughts for us today? Uh, no, I just I just like the fact that we're you know adding jobs year over year and the unemployment rates down at historic lows and uh, or, or 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 near that. And uh, in fact, just today. 
today, the, the U.S. unemployment rate came out for September at um, 3.5%. So I'm not quite sure when you were born, but I think that number, we haven't seen a number that low since before that blessed event. So. I think that's right. I think I saw a release from you, like maybe 1965. Abbey Road, you said? And, the... Abbey Road, uh, since September of 69. Oh, 69. Okay. Yeah. So that's quite a while ago. Yeah, that was 15 years before I was here on Earth. But uh, great times from what I understand. And <laughs> so, well, that's great. Well, thanks, Dennis, very much. We appreciate you being on the podcast this month. Sure. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm joined by Delora Newton, Administrator of the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation here at DWD. Delora, welcome to the show. October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, also known as NDEAM, and throughout the month, DWD is recognizing companies that have committed to hiring and employing individuals with disabilities. Uh, tell the audience, Jalora, you know, what are some of the benefits of hiring and employing individuals with disabilities? Well, first of all, they have the talent to do the job, so why not hire them? Um, there's three main reasons. One, diversity. You know, it's adding diversity to the workforce. You can't go wrong with that. It means a lot to people, especially millennials and the younger generations. They look for diversity in the workforce when they're looking for an employer. Loyalty, these employees are loyal because they really love that somebody hired them. They have um, great attendance records. Their attendance records meet or excel those of other employees. And believe it or not, they actually don't get hurt on the job either. Their frequency of getting injured on the job is less than others. And then finally, there's an improvement to the culture of the workplace. We've had numerous employers tell us that hiring people with disabilities, the positivity that they bring because they're excited to come to work to, to work every day, it's infectious. And it's really boosted the overall morale of all their staff. Oh, that's great. As we've traveled the state and talked to folks, I mentioned this with Dennis earlier, just uh, that the employers that uh, do employ folks with disabilities are some of the best champions for DVR programs and employing uh, folks in an inclusive and diverse manner. So that's excellent to hear. Um, can you provide a couple of recent examples of maybe how DVR has helped connect an individual uh, with a disability to employment? Sure. So we had a DVR job seeker with schizophrenia recently let us know that he felt we were the only government agency that was able to help him. We helped him pay for college, so now he has a job with family supporting wages and he's really able to, to help his family out and that means the world to him. Um, another example, we had a 2019 Project Search graduate who did uh, a tour at a local laboratory. She was hired on the spot because the staff and the leadership was so impressed with her. And her mom was waiting out in the lobby. And we understand that when she came out, there were tears of joy. And it was just like being at uh, American Idol when they get the golden ticket. So very heart, those are just a couple of the, of the very heartwarming stories in a way that we've made a difference. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. And I was very privileged to attend, I think, close to a dozen Project Search graduations. And it really is moving to see these students and their families and their instructors um, and their advocates um, you know, become more economically independent and, and build skills and build confidence. It's really spectacular. Mm -hmm. um, now, we've heard a lot over the last few months and, frankly, the last few years uh, about the worker shortage in Wisconsin and throughout the country. Uh, from your perspective, why is it so important uh, to include the hiring of individuals with disabilities uh, as part of any company's workforce strategy? Well, you know, part of it is we'll start with, you mentioned Endeam at the beginning. And so this being Endeam month, this year's uh, theme is the right talent right now. So I think that really speaks to what this question is. So it's important for people to know that the talents of DVR job seekers, they range from entry level work to highly skilled, you know, CEOs, doctors, lawyers, 
You know, it's, it's the whole gamut. People have all kinds of talents. So in addition to the employee loyalty, the improved workplace culture that I talked about before, 18% um, of the population has a disability. And any one of us in our lifetime could develop a disability by either getting sick or having an accident. So it's a growing population. Um, that group has right now $175 billion in discretionary spending every year, in discretionary spending power. So it's a very powerful um, group of individuals who have money to spend. And so when companies hire people with disabilities, um, the consumers, they like to look and, and, and see who are you hiring. And if you hire people who look like me, I'm more apt to spend my money with you. This is true. Well, those are great reasons to uh, take part in a, in a diverse and inclusive uh, workforce recruitment strategy. Uh, here in Madison, uh, we just recently held the World Dairy Expo. And as I'm sure you are very well aware, uh, farming can be a, a dangerous career. Um, and with that being said, you know, I'm sure DVR has assisted a lot of farmers uh, either get into farming or remain in farming. Uh, so we'd be curious to hear uh, what DVR can do to help a farmer remain um, employed in, in an agricultural field uh, after becoming disabled. Yeah, that's a great question. We can develop a plan with the farmers. It's an individualized plan that meets you know, what their uh, particular disability is and what they need. Um, and that plan could include the necessary accommodations so that they could continue farming. So some examples of things that we have helped farmers with is we have purchased remote control gates so they don't have to get off their tractor or their skid steer to go open the gate. Um, we could do adaptive controls on the tractor or skid steer if they can't use their feet. We've purchased steps for tractors to make it easier to get in and out. Um, automatic feeding carts to make it easier to feed, and then calf carts to make it more easily, uh, more easy to, to move the calves so the farmer doesn't have to physically lift them and walk with them. Oh, very cool. It's really um, creative accommodations to help folks stay in their preferred industry and be mm -hmm. successful. That's excellent. Um, now this is kind of a fun part of the podcast. So it's all fun. The whole thing is fun <laughs> all the time. Um, but as you know, on every episode of On Wisconsin Workforce, uh, we have a young individual on the show Tell us what they'd like to be when, you, uh, when they grow up. And you being a young individual, of course, um, let me ask you, when you were young, um, what is it that you wanted to be when you grew up and why? That's a great question. Um, I wanted to be a police officer or a social worker. And I, I liked those professions because I felt that they were professions that I could help people. And so I'm not a counselor, I'm not a social worker, but I think being DVR administrator, I get to work with a lot of people in a, you know, it's, it's helping them get jobs. It's not social work, but it's helping them get the skills and um, education and work experience that they need that they can go out and get a job and become financially independent or maintain their financial independence. So it's, you know, probably about as close to social work as you can get without being a social worker. Oh, that's excellent. Well, we're glad you're here. I'm sure <laughs> you've been you. a great social worker, a great police officer, but uh, you're a great division administrator. So thanks for uh, being on the show today. We appreciate it greatly and uh, enjoy the weekend. Yeah, thanks. You All too. Right. Thanks to Laura. All right. Bye. Finally, I'll be talking to 10-year-old Jackson, and he will be telling us what he wants to be when he grows up. Okay. And what do you like to do for fun? Um, Hockey and Rubik's Cubes. Oh, are you good at Rubik's Cubes? Yeah. What's the fastest you've ever uh, solved one? Well, I solved the pyraminx in, like, I think it was, like, 20 seconds. Whoa, that's serious. And what do you play in hockey? Which position? 
Um, either center or defense. Okay, that's pretty serious. What number are you? 99. Ooh, that's a good number. It's a tough guy number. I like that. Thanks. Awesome. Now, what do you think you want to be when you grow up? Um, NHL player or uh, I want to build things. Okay. If you were to build things, are you think like houses or... Uh, big buildings. Big buildings. Okay, that's really cool. Sure, that'd be kind of fun, build a big uh, office building. Um, what do you think those people do that you know build buildings on a daily basis? What do you think their daily tasks are? What are some of the things that they're doing when they um, go to work? Blueprints, um, scheduling everything, like getting the cement here on time and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a really that's impressive. You know all that already because that's really important stuff. Logistics and getting the timing right and having all the supplies and the plans. Um, do you think you'd have to go to school or get some training to do that? Yeah. 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 Um, Sadly, you have to go to school. Yeah, well, school's fun, man. All the cool kids go to school. No. Um, well, that's awesome. And what, uh, so in addition to reading blueprints, what other kind of training do you think you would need to be a successful uh, construction um, manager or builder? Physics and logic. Well, a lot of physics because you need to. Like you need to have a strong base, steady sides for the building, mm-hmm. and you need to know a lot about the structure before you build it. You can't just build it go like Legos. Oh yeah, that's really smart. You know a lot about this. Do you have a builder in your family, or thank you? Well, really... my dad was a construction worker when he started, but that's basically it. Yeah, well, it's really impressive you know about that because that's absolutely true. You have to have a good understanding of physics to know how the buildings are going to be supported and they're going to resist the wind and resist the weather, and that's really, really smart. Um, so in addition to those those potential schoolings and trainings, what kind of skills do you think successful builders possess? Like what are some of the skill sets that they have that make them good at building things? Mm, you have to know what you're going to do before you do it, um, and you have to have the right people to do it. And you have to you have to have experience before you build big structures. You have to start small and work your way up. Yeah, that all sounds really good. I think being a planner, having good teamwork, and then yeah, learning from your experiences would really set you up to be a strong, successful builder. That's awesome. Well, Jackson, thanks for coming in and, and being a part of this day. We appreciate you coming in. Do you get enough cake and ice cream? Yeah. Yeah, what did you get, the Superman or the caramel one? Superman. Oh, of course. That sounds really good. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming in today. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of On Wisconsin Workforce. If you want to learn more about the Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development, check out our website at www.dwd.wisconsin.gov. You can also follow us on Facebook or LinkedIn by searching for the Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WI Workforce. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Secretary Caleb Frostman, and this is On Wisconsin Workforce.